season four of the Telly Award-winning podcast. Coming at you like the incomparable CNC Music Factory. Making you sweat. Making you go, hmm. Everybody freaking dance now. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Van Jackson, now Fashang Origins. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is... Uh, David Avaloni, uh, writer and coffee achiever and former member of the United Steelworkers of America. Love it. I didn't know that about you. I knew that uh, you were a multi Not really true. But when you say uh, CC yeah. Music Factory, that's yeah. actually, I don't know if you recall the Simpsons episode. This hot stuff <laughs> coming through. Exactly. <laughs> Every time I hear uh, CC Music Factory, I have to think about gay steelworkers and support yeah. them in everything that they do. I stand in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America and with the, uh, the the gay uh, steelworkers of uh, yep. America. Also, uh, yes. uh, just I ride just as hard for uh, for those men and women. So uh, <laughs> good on you. Um, uh, we need steel. Yeah. Um, if you missed any of our previous conversations, uh, uh, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more, uh, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, and other purveyors of worthwhile aircraft. So double on back and check it all out. Uh, great show today. I'm very excited about this one. This is actually our, uh, our, our Comic Con week show. That's right. Um, so that is exciting. Uh, if if you all are going to be down at uh, at San Diego Comic Con, uh, uh, the three of us, meaning uh, David, uh, uh, me, and and our guest, we're going to be down there. So we'll have plenty to promote here and talk about. Uh, but but what do you want to set up before we bring our, our guest down? What do you sell? Well, it's Comic Con. Yeah. Even like you know, through the time travel of recording and releasing later, I am probably right now in a car driving on the five freeway slightly miserable on my way to san diego preparing to check into the hyatt preparing to be told that my room is not ready preparing to <laughs> sit, sit by the pool and start the drinking early and often uh i got uh check my website and my socials i have five panels and two wow. hour-long signings at various booths and uh, otherwise, I will confess, as always, that I will probably be at the lobby bar at the uh, Hilton Bayfront because that's where that's where it, that's really where the convention is for me. That's I where spend, it happens. I spend more time there than I do on the floor for sure. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's and while we're talking, in, currently in stores, Elvira in Monsterland uh, one and two. Can't remember when three comes out maybe two three weeks maybe august something like that but it's good clean wholesome stuff um and uh the great artist huber ball is writing the uh, is drawing the final issue of that now so uh looking yeah. forward to having it all out in front of everybody old friend cuber ball i've uh mm. i've had some uh some business with him uh yeah um i i too will be ewi down at a sdcc uh ewi for the un uh, uninitiated extremely busy uh wildly interesting uh, EBWI. There you go. Uh, nice acronym there. Um, but we are doing a panel, a writer's block panel. Uh, yeah. uh, where's the front door about breaking into comics and staying in with some, uh, some great folks. Um, that is going to be on Friday evening, right? At, I'm looking up a 7.30? 7.30. I don't know, again, I don't know who we wronged in the uh, in the San Diego Comic-Con uh, programming department, but this is the second year in a row that we have been programmed against the Eisners. 
so half of uh, half of our our favorite go to guests uh, are are you know we we up for awards. We we deal in talented folks, and so these guys are nominated right and left, and um, and so several people that we may have had on the panel uh, uh, were were nominated. Uh, we, we managed to scrape together an even more impressive panel than maybe we even uh, uh, would have started with. So so good on us. Uh, right. But come come check that out. That's going to be amazing. Um, I am on two panels on Saturday, um, the Immortal Studios panel uh, at 11.30 a.m., where um, a bunch of cool uh, business will be announced that I can finally talk about. I've been working a lot for Immortal Studios while on strike uh, um, with all my film and TV stuff on pause. Uh, I will also be on uh, Terry Mayo's panel at 5.30, so check that out. And uh, signings all week at the Immortal Studios booth, so come check me out. Come shake my hand. Come uh, uh, buy some good comics. Uh, but but we're talking too much. Let's bring our guest on. She's a lot more interesting than we are. And here she is. Oh my gosh! No pressure to be a lot more interesting than that. My goodness. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, tell the kids at home a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, excited to be here. I am Moni okay. Barrett, and the very shortest way to describe it is I am a. <laughs> comics librarian who says yes to way too many different things uh, when it comes to bringing together comics and libraries and library workers and creators uh, and educational spaces. So I might not be kind of what you've had typically as a guest. I have no uh, discerning talent of my own to speak of, uh, but I bring together people who do. So that is its own talent, believe me. That's, you know. <laughs> it's its own talent, and oddly, it's you know, it's the mission of this show to bring you know talented uh, 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 comics industry people together, um, and 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 not just comics industry people, but to connect comic comics industry people with you know with other important uh, uh, outlets, and that seems to be your mission also. So it was why I was so interested, so excited to bring you on, uh, 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 David. Also, um, and. Uh, you know, um, there aren't many people in the comics business that have a hundred percent approval rating. Uh, I, I, I certainly don't. Um, uh, my, mine's probably pretty high at this point, but but you, you'll meet the odd person that doesn't like me or doesn't like David. I, uh, you, Moni, have perhaps a hundred and two percent approval rating, uh, uh, which I know isn't mathematically possible. Um, but but many people that uh, we are excited about uh, and that we've had on the show over and over again uh, sing your praises, and so we were excited to talk about everything that you're up to. So that's nice to hear. I am a 2023 Eisner judge, so I I don't know if that dented my approval rating <laughs> <laughs> this year, or, but you know, or or it helped. You know, there you, yeah. you know there is the folks. There are always the folks out there. Uh, you know, who who want to gain the favor of the Eisner judges. But yeah, yeah we, that's true. Yeah. We, yeah. We, don't, we don't have to get into the ugliness that uh, happened uh, a couple of months back. We can I mean, you can't make a legend without spice and controversy, right? Yeah. So there we're go. legend status. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, comics being comics, tell us your origin story a little bit. Like, how did you get interested in the field? And, you know, the world is, uh, I would say full of people who don't view comics as a valid form of literary expression. Yes. Uh, I've, my experience with librarians has been good. I have to say, I can't say I've, you know, I mean, especially uh, since I've been going to libraries in Los Angeles, most libraries I've been to in LA have a, a pretty good collection of uh, trade paperbacks in it. Good. Uh, so that's kind of a nice thing. But, uh, but what, what attracted you to that corner of, of things. 
So, you know, what's funny, um, I am a convert as well. I definitely was someone who, I guess I read, like, I didn't realize I was reading comics when reading like the Sunday funny pages. But other than that, you know, I grew up, my background was in classic English literature and I have my master's in library science and everything was very lofty. And my then boyfriend, uh, now husband, co-founder Joe, was actually like, you should read comics. I bet you would like them. You know, no, I'm not going to, first of all, I'm not going to listen to what a man tells me to do. So that's, that's really the first problem right there. <laughs> but secondly, you know, so he, he gave me Watchmen as my first trade. Yeah. The, the face, I mean, for better or worse, you can definitely tell there's a lot more depth to the, the format once you've read something like Watchmen, right? Like yeah. that was a lot to bite off and chew. Sure. Um, but after that, it just kind of became, as a librarian, seeing a need in my community, which when I came to work at the library I had just started at here in the San Diego area, um, they had a teen, teen graphic novel collection that was actually a lot of really mature titles. And mm. I felt bad because the adults were having to, like, go into the back room, into the teenager section, yeah. and, like yeah, brown bag their comics and sneak out I of have, there. I will say I have seen that. I've been in libraries in L.A. that had great, great graphic novel collections, but they were in the kitty area. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how the kitties are going to deal with Why the Last Man. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know that that's great for the for the toddlers and the tykes. Uh, Absolutely. So much to, to dive it, into Why the Last Man. And so just whether I had loved comics or not, I saw that as a disservice and an opportunity to kind of serve the community better. Because, you know, before we had this historic rise in bans and challenges that we're having right now to books and specifically to comics, uh, there, there have always been, you know, questions about content. And so that was my argument to the administration of the library was I was like, well, y'all don't want to get in trouble, you know, by having parents going like, why is Deadpool in the kids section, you know? <laughs> so they gave me a whopping, I did this whole presentation for them. And I think they gave me like $200 wow. back in 2015 or something. And I moved all of the comic strips out of the Dewey 700 area, brushed them off because they weren't getting found back there. Uh, found a little shelf space and made this little tiny adult comics collection. And there were so few like good resources, good for what, what librarians need just to tell us like, what content is this? Who is it best for? And where should I put it? Um, that I started becoming an advocate, got invited to speak at San Diego and then the rest kind of became history. Yeah. Nice. Hey, $200 that buys at least two billies that I get. <laughs> like that's it. Nice. Several, a, a couple of dozen comic books. Uh, well, our trade paper racks will go on there. That's I true. Have, I, I have to ask as an aside, like uh, aside from aside from seeing that there was a, that it was serious and adult in nature. Sure. Did you enjoy, like, what did you get out of Watchmen? How did it strike you? And you don't have to have loved it. I promise. I we, This is a safe space here for honest reactions. <laughs> I mean, back with my whatever year that was, eyes, it was less problematic. Uh, and also, it was it was more that 
from a comprehension perspective, you know, yeah. I pride myself with my classical English literature degree of being able to comprehend things very quickly and easily. And the fact that I had to like reread certain sections to sure. get the meaning, obviously taking in the visuals is a different set of literacy, a different type of literacy right. and skill set than traditional right. prose reading. <laughs> That was where I was like, not only, and now, now as we've gone forward into more of a glut of stories that are for everyone by everyone in the best possible way, you know, that right. more diversity, because I've never, never have been a big fan of, especially of white superhero stories. I, I'm just not a big superhero person. And right. so uh, now that we have graphic memoirs and like all these fascinating freaking stories coming from mm -hmm. all these fascinating people. Um, that, and as a kind of an aside, librarians have a tough job and I don't want to like play the world's tiniest violin, but even without bands and challenges, we are, you know, public librarians are social workers, resource providers, an ear Absolutely. to cry on, like, you know, all the first line for a lot of things that society, you know, might not be dealing with well otherwise. Uh, and so finding, like, I've always been an advocate for younger librarians to find something that you really love to do. And if that happens to connect with your community, then really like hone in and grow from that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, I love comics and also we have a need for it. And then I was like, oh, San Diego Comic-Con has graphic novel book clubs and we don't have one. So I just decided right. to contact them. That was the first time I didn't talk to anyone at Comic-Con. And I was like, mm -hmm. I want to do this thing. And it really just grew from like the amount of creators that would then come in person before the pandemic to like come talk to the book club and mm -hmm. how many people like the demand for the book club completely exploded. And this was adults. Um, mm -hmm. And that was another thing that I found was that adults lack a space to really hang out together, network, talk about like-minded things. You know, you have your neighbors, you have your family, but they may not relate to whatever it is you're interested in. Right. So well, a, a, a good a good local comic book store does provide that, mm -hmm. but a lot of them are wildly unwelcoming spaces to women yeah, minorities. Uh, for sure, you, know, you hate to say that the cliche on The Simpsons, our second Simpsons reference of the episode, is correct. But I have met that guy. I have yeah, I have walked into shops and heard the worst issue ever uh, conversation. <laughs> and just gone, oh, geez, really, are we doing that? No, the reason mm -hmm. that, that I, you know, not to keep harping on the Watchmen thing, but what's fascinating sure. to me is that's sort of like saying, oh, you're interested in Shakespeare? Read Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are de dead before you read Hamlet. <laughs> like, I'm going to give you the deconstructionist work first and ask you to understand what the hell is going on when it's yeah. deconstructing something you have no, absolutely no context for. And it's well, just it, it, it's an interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah, deconstructing comics, uh, yeah. De deconstructing um, uh, story in general, deconstructing history. De yeah. I, I mean, it, it is it is such deep water. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that it, it's, it's pretty guess, funny. But it is also yeah. it like yeah. that is the most common, the yeah. more sexist cliche. Honestly, is if you yeah. been Sandman. Yeah, yeah. That's like, oh, you're a chick? Here's the one about the moody goth dude. Right. Uh, <laughs> the, the moody goth dude of your dreams. Oh, I mean, in the 90s particularly, if you met someone and they're like, oh, my boyfriend gave me a comic to read. I'm like, Sandman, right? It was Sandman season this. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's what he gave you. How did you know? It's like, because that's she the She never read comics again. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's the sexist. And look, those are, I am not at all disparaging Watchmen or... Uh, 
you know, Brother Neil's uh, Sandman. I'm just saying that is like, no, man, this is the poetic one uh, kind of thing. And it's, True. you know, those are the, no one is ever like, hey, here's a reprint of Action Comics number one. Let's start you at the beginning. <laughs> you know, let's start you with Superman, social justice warrior who hates, yes. you know, who hates slumlords and wife beaters uh, and, and war profiteers. Like, I always think that's a good place to start with comic books myself. But, uh, you know. You'll need to have Joe on to ask him that question. And as a matter of fact, I might have to tease him about that. Because I never thought about it that way. I think his point was just that it wasn't all Marvel DC and right. it wasn't no. all like... And well, it is a great yeah. standard. Like superheroes with a lot of it's a yeah, great standard there for that. But like Night Owl makes is less interesting. <laughs> if yeah, you've but never read a Batman comic. It, 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 it makes sense to me. I mean, because you were playing. I mean, your intellectual. You were playing the intellectual game at a very high level. You know, <laughs> when it came to your literature, when it came to all of these things. So the idea that you know give you something that that has you know. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that, that, that is trying to clear a very high bar and is wrestling with political and social uh, right. uh, 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 themes. And I uh, I I see that one hundred percent. Let me take a minute to sing the praises of of, of the public library uh, uh, to to all of our listeners because I mean, coincidentally. Um, I actually just, um, I applied for the Los Angeles, uh, it, it is called the Los Angeles Public Library Creators in Residence Program. And I submitted a, uh, you know, a, a proposal to, to do a graphic novel with them that I would sort of research uh, and, and build from library resources. And, and um, it, you know, with the idea that it would be available, uh, uh, you know, to, I mean, at large, obviously, but to, to you know, folks uh, in the public library. And you know that we would host readings and all of that stuff. And it's very exciting to me because I, um, I mean, I grew up in a housing project in Detroit, right? And so I didn't have a ton of resources. It's not like we went to the bookstore uh, and and I walked out with a, a bag of books, um, uh, you know, a, 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 every week or whatever. You know, the the library was what I had, and I, I I had to walk to the library. But I went in there, and literally any world that I wanted to explore was available to me. You know, as you know, I don't know when I started going, you know, full force when I was 10 or whatever. Um, and that was where I read about, you know, 10 different forms of karate, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and that was, you know, that was where I, I, I read about the civil war and, and literally anything I was interested in, I could go to a librarian and I could say, Hey, I am interested in this, right. Uh, uh, what do you recommend? And, you know, uh, Sometimes you got somebody who was a little tuned out, right? And, and that was unfortunate, but 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 you learned very quickly, oh, this person is going to be an enthusiastic ally in my journey, right? And so there were the the two or three librarians that were like, oh, you're interested in that? You got to read this. Oh, you got to read that. Uh, this is maybe a little too, uh, you might you might need to wait a couple of years for this, but, you know, people putting in front of you. And and, and that carried on through my entire life. Like when I when I got into high school, I started to, um, I, 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 I was on the debate team. And you have to start to heavily research, um, you know, uh, uh, welfare, uh, uh, you know, uh, assisted suicide, whatever, uh, whatever topic, you know, what was the topic of the week, the topic of the month, the topic of the season. Um, you had to go in and, you know, it, it, me and a couple of people from the team, we would go in and it's like, OK, it's time to time to build our box of note cards with facts on this thing and income librarians. Oh, you got to check this out in microfiche. Oh, there is this issue. I, I, you know, you, you, you spend a weekend in there researching, you come back in the next weekend and a lot, the librarians like, I found this issue of Newsweek from 1984 that has this really great article that you're going to love. Check this out. And it was, um, you know, it was, uh, 
I, I know it was like these people, they had informational superpowers, right? Um, and I am seeing it carry on with, that. I have a six-year-old daughter. Um, and and again, coincidentally, uh, my wife and I walked her into uh, the Eagle Rock branch of the Los Angeles Public Library this weekend. And we walked out with, um, it was a situation where we were checking things out. You know, she's she's out of school for the summer and she's having to, um, I mean, she's, she is still learning to read, you know, she's, she's pretty good. Uh, but you know, we're going, we're, we're taking her up the ladder of, you know, Oh, level one books, level two books, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, and you know, we go in there once every two weeks and we, we reload, you know, new stories, let her pick out this, let her pick out that. What are you interested in? Um, and, uh, and you know, it was a situation this weekend where it's like, okay, how many books are we allowed to check out? Because we had a stack <laughs> this, this big that she's going through and, and it's just awesome. It's just like, Hey, what are you interested in? What are you, um, uh, what are you excited about? Uh, and, um, and I mean, it's just amazing to see her going through the same thing. And then I'm in there and I'm doing this, I, I I'm doing the exact same thing. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I'm asking a, uh, a librarian, Hey, I want to uh, study visually for a comic book the difference between Hapkido uh, and, and Tang Sudo. Uh, what can you do for me? And you know, they they give me these things. Yes. Oh, here 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 are Hapkido forms. I love those. And, and, and there's another <laughs> book of of, of Tang Sudo forms, and so I can very easily, you know, uh, take page uh, you know sixty eight and uh, and send an artist this. Um, so incredible resource. Uh, um, I'm so excited to hear that, like, and, yeah. and through the generations too. I mean, yeah. you know, I always—that's usually my first question when I'm a moderator for the for the non-library panelists—is like, what was your first library story? Because even the bad ones, you know, it's a place to for the rest of the profession to kind of try not to be that way and grow from. But I'm so glad yeah. that you've had good experiences and talking about having to walk to the library and all that. That's kind of one of the things that modern librarianship tries to teach is the barriers to access. You know, yes, the best comic shops do have, um, you know, book clubs and things like that, but often you might have to buy the book to go there or you might feel like you're pressured to do so when you get there. Um, and also you're not really supposed to at most libraries, like let your kid come on their own depending on the age, but technically they're safe adjacent when they do go to do that. And there's plenty for them to, to stay out of trouble with, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know, you talked, you, you talked about the many services of a librarian. My mother found the place I went to college by going to our local public library and asking one of the librarians, my kid is a weirdo. Where should he go to college? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think his name was Eric. She came on and said, gay librarian, Eric says you should go to Bard. And I went, okay, fair. Uh, we'll give that a shot. And I, I ended up going there. So like even that I owe to the East Brunswick Public Library. Thanks, Eric. It's so much of Love the it. things, so much of, like my knowledge of British, uh, the history of British comedy comes from seeing Peter Sellers' name on a Goon Show LP and going, what the hell is this? I've never heard of the Goon Show. Uh, and a whole universe of pre-Monty Python British comedy opened up to me just from stumbling across that in the comedy section, I discovered Mel Brooks. I mean, I was, you know, I was probably too young for Blazing Saddles and uh, Young Frankenstein, but I, the Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks interview LPs, I took those home and I was like, this is yeah. the greatest stuff I've ever heard in my life. And all of that, and soundtrack music, again, like we weren't, 
we were poor in my adolescence, but we weren't that poor in the kid when I was a kid. But it's not like you can buy infinity LPs, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and also, you're not going to buy them if you don't know what's on them. And I was able sure. to go to the local public library and go. I have never heard the music of Bernard Herrmann, but I recognize some of these movie titles. I will bring these LPs home and listen to them. And, you know, they become my favorite music over the years. Yeah, and I, all of that, all, all of that is impossible in a world where you got to buy everything. Yeah. And, 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 and similarly, I mean, when I was a student, I was a film student at the University of Michigan. And, you know, again, like, like DVD was just starting to cook a little bit. And, um, and, you know, but it was very expensive, right, to, to go out and buy this and buy that. And and uh, I would walk into the, the University of Michigan Library, had this massive Laserdisc collection. Mm. Um, and at that point, uh, Criterion was was only putting stuff out on Laserdisc. Um, and I remember, and, and, and the librarian would only give you one disc at a time. So the Criterion edition of Do the Right Thing was like five discs, you know, and it had the wow. movie and then it had, uh, in a different section, had... Uh, you know, the movie with the commentary, and then there was like an hour long documentary about the making of. And I remember sitting in the library for like five or six hours, and I would I would play it, you know, and I, I'm about two, two thirds of the way through the movie, and I flip it over. And then I get through the movie, and I want to watch the, uh, um, the, the commentary. So I have to take the disc, go back up to the library desk. Exchange, exchange up the second one, put it yeah. in, and do, and do that a couple of times. Uh, uh, but, but the, you know, I mean, I uh, my film education. I mean, obviously, like I was at film school, so I'm I'm going to screenings and stuff like that. But, but the gaps were filled in at the library because they just had this massive laserdisc collection, this massive VHS collection. You want to talk about an old school yeah. thing? My education in silent film. Yeah, uh, I had a friend with a projector. I took out 16 millimeter prints of Buster Keaton films and like I think the first time I saw Metropolis I projected it on the wall of my living room yeah you know and just sat there in in you know in my living room watching it hearing the clattering of the projector and you know that, that's a that's a yeah I definitely like cabinet I remember cabinet of Dr. Caligari I definitely like went to the library I had heard a lot about it went to the library, library got the platters of you know, 16 millimeter film called up my friend and said, Hey, can I borrow your project? You want to see cabinet of Dr. Caligari? And, you know, in the pre library of Alexandria in your phone world, like there was no place for us to see a German expressionist yeah. silent film from the 20. Like that was an impossibility. So I was like, Oh, wow. They have film prints. Sure. Let me take that home. You know, that's a, that, that was available anyway. You know, we could go on and on about libraries, but I wanted to. Get no, there was this one time where. Sorry, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get to uh, tell us about Creators Assemble. What is the what was the origin of that, and what is the mission statement, and how's it going? It is, in a nutshell, good. Um, Creators Assemble came out of the pandemic, as many good and bad things did. Uh, we as the show did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When yeah. you can't get together, and, and so we're all looking at each other virtually. Um, yeah, essentially, my husband and I both were working for a city at the time, and the city, you know, Parks and Rec was, uh, library was under that as well. It just shut down, like everything else, and left everything in flux. And so we were like, well, we don't want to have, like, gaps in our employment, and this is something we've been talking about doing for a long time. Uh, which is basically creating ha having creators assemble bridge the gap between sort of um, the things that I would want to do in a library that libraries aren't not that they're not equipped to do but 
again, in the scale of all the things that libraries do, you know, comics is one really great thing with a ton of other stuff around. And also, you know, being that most libraries are run by like local city government or county government, it can be really slow to make changes. And so, you know, times when I would want to work with a wonderful creator or, you know, when I would want to work directly to buy indie or things like that just really didn't work out. And so um, we started thinking about what would some people in our network really need to start connecting and, you know, resources from librarians because that's what we do and you know networking and kind of getting to know one another and seeing how we can help each other how can we find paying gigs you know at fair wages in the middle of the pandemic how can we uh get together when we're not together you know and so that's kind of where creators assemble had come from it was something that you know co-founder joe had been bugging me to do for a long time but you can't really work for a local government and do kind of your own thing. Uh, so I'm really happy that we're doing this. It's, it's still my side gig, but it is our baby. And to this day, our main, our main endeavors now, we've actually expanded into using not just comics, but popular culture and a lot of TTRPGs at gaming in educational spaces. Oh, cool. There's yeah, so there's a huge demand for that in libraries, there's a huge demand for that in classrooms, but just like at the beginning when comics started to really explode, um, there's still a lot of but how do I do that? Where do I start? And you know, what are the learning outcomes? I told you about having to demonstrate to my library admin way back when I started with comics like how is this going to benefit our community and what is the bottom line? How much is it going to cost? So how to have those talking points with your stakeholders while at the same time serving your community this way. So now we do a lot of TTRPG streams. We do a lot of education in the background for teachers and library workers as to how to like incorporate. And then we also do one of our bread and butters. We do activity guides for comics. And so um, Skybound is the most notable that we've done a ton of like activity and um, classroom guides. So whether those are curriculum aligned, depending on the title, we've worked for Ablaze, we're doing some for directly for some indie creators, um, working on basically, again, I'm a person who is a librarian who sees that a lot of people read this stuff, but I'm not necessarily dialed into it. What's the easiest way that I can hold my own comic book club. Oh, the back of this awesome book has, you know, a guide available, or I'm a teacher and I already love this stuff, but now I want to have some learning outcomes and be quick and ready to go. Where do I go? So we're trying to be that along with RPG streaming just for charity and for fun and community building. Um, you had Richard on last week or on your last show, right? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah we, we've had Richard on, what is it four or five times now? Yeah, I don't one know. of our most frequent guests. Richard's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You had him for Four Color Heroes, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were we were one of the resources helping to get the translations uh, for the New oh, Zealander. Okay. Yeah. Oh so, wow! Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, you talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, people will reach out to us and just be like, "Do you know someone who does this?" And you know, we don't charge anything for that kind of expertise, and we help people find projects that work for them. Nice. That's nice. amazing. And yeah, I, I will say, you know, not with too much enlightened self-interest, but I noticed the one of the services was connecting people with artists and writers to do their their projects for them. How do people sign up to be on that list of creators that you draw from? 
I usually will be approached for a project and then I will reach out whether it's via our website, via social media, um, but always allowing also friends of friends, people I haven't met yet to connect with us. And then um, depending on the needs of the project, what type of project it is, we will either um, send it off to whoever asked or we will help facilitate the deal. And that is to say, if someone is super green and they've like never signed uh, a contract for independent work, we don't give legal advice, but we will give them kind of a basic guidelines document that they can utilize to go forward into their negotiations. If we go that far, we do add an additional 15% charge it, charge to the, um, the hirer. So we're never taking that off of the creatives back at sure. all um, just for our services. But sure. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, we have an info at email address and a contact on our website, which is just creatorsassembled.org. Uh, and we always are very responsive to those and my social media and anyone else in our team. Um, the other thing is, and I forgot to mention, I'm at Comic-Con as well as we were talking about San Diego. Uh, Creators Assemble really came out of, before it was official, doing networking events because, again, I would do like, we kept getting relegated, and this wasn't just San Diego, to library-only programming. Librarian programming for librarians, which is great. There's still a need for that. I'm still mm -hmm. doing a lot of that. Um, but I wanted to figure out how to get librarians and teachers on the main schedule so that mm. general attendees could at least see what we're doing and, of course, attend if they were interested. And so um, at WonderCon one year, I just reached out. And that's one thing I advocate for is, like, reaching out, like you would be surprised. You guys reached out to me via Facebook Messenger and people say yes, like the amount of publishers that are willing to send their biggest creators if you just ask, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I started putting feelers mm -hmm. out for like, where could I get a couple of big names so that it will bring attention for some more indie folks to all work together and God bless uh, Image Comics, uh, Chloe. Shout out to Chloe, one of my favorite people in the business. Um, Chloe Ramos. Chloe, okay, Chloe Ramos. Uh, Chloe Ramos works was a library librarian and now is their like library. I don't know what the exact title is, but does all their library outreach for Image. Okay. And they just literally, I had never met Chloe before, just dumped Scott Snyder <laughs> into our laps at our very first ever uh, networking event. And so that networking event. We had a line of people and, you know, he was doing paid signings that year. And I was like, this line is just going to be people who just want to see, which is cool to see him, but I get that. But like, we were ready as librarians because we plan events all the time to be bouncers, right? Like we were like, we're going to have a people mob him and they're all going to try to glom over there. And we're, we have to force them to network with some of our indie creators. And so I go to the door and I'm like, you have 20 minutes at each table. Mr. Snyder will talk to you in a few minutes. And they were just like, oh, no, we're here to see you. And I was like, you who? And they're like, the librarians. These were general attendees. They were like, we want to know what librarians do with comics because our library, this was years ago, doesn't have any comics. And we want to go back and tell them, like, what we learned here. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, that makes you feel like a rock star when you have a comics rock star there and they're coming to talk to the librarians. So, that really took off, uh, as you can imagine, because we had, and still continue to have, like, one of the coolest things I saw was Jeff Johns was at our last one for WonderCon, and um, this teenager came from Mexico 
with his portfolio and Jeff, like in front of this table full of general attendees, like reviewed it and gave him like advice so that others could hear and ask questions too. Like we've had people come back and report that they've done indie comics together because of it, that they found major publishers to work with because of it. It's just incredible. So we're hosting that again. That's my long winded plug for it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, that's a, a two-hour event, I think. It's I a two-hour event. They yeah. gave us a bigger room, and they gave us uh, more time, which is great, because that was the mm -hmm. one complaint that we had, was everybody had, like, 10 minutes together, and now we have 20. Uh, mm -hmm. We have, I think, at last count, 27 folks, be it teachers, librarians, creators, publishing uh, people, and they're all coming for 4 p.m. at the Marriott at San Diego from 4 to right. 6, so. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I will offer right now, if you ever want to have me in one of those things, I'm, I'm yes. happy to do it. I'm an, I, you know, uh, Ryland's heard me say this a million times, but I, I'm an evangelist for networking as the most under misunderstood, you know, concept in yes. the world. And uh, people are really, I, I became obsessed with it when I went to Long Beach Comic Con and someone who I, I knew for a fact had just stepped out of a panel on networking walked up to me at the... Uh, at the cocktail party afterwards, jammed his independent comic into my chest and said, uh, please take this and read my indie comic. And I oh, said, wow. you went to the networking, the how to network panel? And he said, oh, yeah, it was great. I said, no, it really, it wasn't great. Uh, they oh, did not no. teach you some pretty basic stuff. Etiquette, yeah. About networking. Don't hand someone your comic at a cocktail party. Don't don't do that ever it's funny you mentioned that and that's that's kind of one of the things that we offer too is like a lot of creatives ju just and that's you know a lot of librarians go into it thinking you can just read books and not have to talk to people or you can just draw your comics and not have to but for better or worse networking is a, getting yourself out there is a huge part of getting paid gigs and kind of making that work for you so you bring yeah. up a really great point but, you know, I and I always, and again, I've said this a thousand times on the show, but I think it always bears repeating, is, you know, people complain about, you know, it's all who you know. And I'm like, yeah, so know people. Yeah. Uh, take opportunities to know people and be their <clears throat> friends and, you know, learn how to learn how to talk to strangers. That is not easy for, <laughs> it's not easy for everyone. I, no. You know, I always have to preface when I teach networking. I'm like, I'm garrulous and outgoing, and that is absolutely a uh, uh, that is a a thing that makes this part of it much easier for me. Yeah. And I am conscious of that. And I appreciate that not everyone, we are, a, we are a, a, an industry of introverts. We are an yes. industry of people who work alone on their computer or with their pen <clears throat> and they, you know, like, and they, they, we, we don't, we don't get out much usually. Um, but it's, uh, it learning how to, make new friends literally yeah. is network yeah, yeah. well and, and, and yeah and, and you've said this a hundred times uh Avalon. you did a uh you did a it might have just been you on a panel at long beach comic con yeah. it was a net it was a networking thing yeah and the first thing you said and you've said it probably 10 times on this show is you know ask not what comics can do for you ask what yeah. you can do for comics absolutely and, yeah and, 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 yeah. and, and yeah and, and that's the biggest thing is that it, you know when when you meet somebody new and you're immediately getting a sales pitch and you're immediately getting this hey you know what can you hire me for what you know how can i how can i slide into this thing mm -hmm. attitude from people you're immediately you're immediately off i mean i, I remember you know another story I, I mean avalonia and i did a um 
it was at Los Angeles Comic Con. We did a, a What Editors Want panel where, where all these editors sat up there and they said, hey, this is what we're looking for and this is how to approach us and this is how not to approach us. Please don't do this. And then Avalonia and I are outside with the editors afterwards and you have three people come up and do exactly what they said not to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, and, and it's, and, and you know, Moni and I were, um, we were exchanging some some messages over, you know, Facebook Messenger she alluded to. And, um, and you know, I said something uh, along the lines of, you know, comics is an ecosystem, right? And I, I've, I've said it on this, uh, this thing before. We all sort of need each other for it to work, right? The, yep. The, the podcasters uh, need people to interview, right? So, so and creators need need some place to promote their their material, and so there's this there's this give take uh, mutually beneficial relationship, and you know editors need need great material to publish. Uh, 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 you know, we as creators need publishers. Um, uh, you know, so so really, what it's about? I mean, networking comes to. Um, I don't know. It, it, it becomes to being of ser- it, it, it comes down to being of service. It becomes mm-hmm. down to serving the ecosystem, being a productive member of this ecosystem. Right? It's like once once people see you working, once people see that you are a valuable member of this community, uh, 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 they will understand that immediately. And then you're part of the club. And then you get hired. And then you get worked. It, yes. and, and, and it was why I reached out to you, Moni, because it was it was because because I see you working. I, I, I see you out there, you know, uh, uh, carrying the flag for everybody, right? And I, I, I see you pushing into uh, uncharted territory and lead and leading the way, saying, "Hey guys, come with me," you know. Uh, Can I just uh, listen to that on a loop? I, I don't take. I, I come from a lot of trauma. I don't take compliments when I love that. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's like one of the big things for library workers is we just want everyone to read. We're yeah. not in competition with other libraries. We're not in competition with bookstores. We want everyone reading all the things all the time. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I'm terrible at monetizing anything for Creators Assemble or any or any expertise that I offer because I'm just like, I don't know. I'll tell you all about how to get your book into the library. I'll tell you all about how to find someone to work with to make your book. Like, I just yeah. want everyone everyone to succeed. You didn't. You didn't have to ask to come on the show. We we sought you out because you were out there doing shit. You know what I'm saying? You weren't. You, you don't spend your time. You know, uh, uh, trying to kick your way on a podcast and, and 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 trying to get hired. You know, to do this or that or whatever. You 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 are doing your thing. You you are you are being of service to the community. Uh, uh, and and people notice. And I I'm like, oh, that person needs to come on and tell us what she's up to, and. You know, again, our audience—it's all creators, would-be creators, all of that stuff—and so, and so, y- you are somebody that they need to know about. Your what you're doing is something they need to know about, and um, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully, this gets some more eyes on Creators Assemble, and you get some people who who can you know help with the mission. And like Avaloni said, if I can ever help in any way, let me know. Uh, oh, we're we're uh, we are we are acquainted. We are friends. You are part of the of our Yay! comic family now, and hopefully us uh, are part of yours. But 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 that's the big thing. But uh, you're stuck with me. No givebacks. Yeah, rock and roll. Sign me up. I mean, and that's the that is the thing is figuring out the way to be of service. I sure. was very early. I think I had maybe written one comic series, and a friend of mine told me about the Heroes Initiative. And when I had been when I had been writing comics like a year, uh, 
they I hooked up with uh, Jim McLaughlin, McLaughlin over there, and mm -hmm. uh, at the time uh, Russ Heath was still alive, and Russ was one of my heroes when I was a kid, one of my absolute favorite comic book artists, and uh, I took Russ Heath to lunch a couple of times and bought him some groceries, and you know he had to, he was he was in bad shape and overweight and had back problems. I, I found a shoehorn that was one of those like three foot long shoehorn so you don't mm -hmm. have to bend over mm -hmm. and he had trouble with his you know he didn't have a good belt you know i bought him some suspenders and you know had amazon send them to his app like it was a very microscopic gesture sure. like it, it it took very little of my time and money to do it yeah. but it demonstrated to my colleagues Mm -hmm. an interest in giving back almost immediately mm -hmm. and in being a part of the community. And it was expressed to me also, like you, you know, you go to cons and you show up and you go to your friends' panels and you buy their books yes. and you promote their books and you say, oh my God, you know, this is great and you should read it. And, you know, it's lucky when your friends are very good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a longstanding thing where people, uh, I was watching a, the credits of a movie I had directed years ago once with a friend. And I said, these opening credits is just a list of everyone who was like my closest friend at the time I made this movie. And she said, what if your friends aren't like good at what they do? <laughs> and, you know, this may be an oversimplification, but I thought about it and I said, you know, if you're, if you've devoted your whole life to being an actor and you're bad at it, that's not the only thing you're delusional about. <laughs> and maybe, maybe we don't want to be friends. Maybe I don't want to be a friend. True. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I look back and I was like, no, all the songwriters I am friends with are really fucking great. Aww. All the actors I know are immensely talented. All the comic book people I hang around with make great books. I want to read, mm -hmm. you know? So like I have no trouble. The worst thing is when someone asks you for an endorsement uh, and it's like, no, I, I got to kind of give that freely and of my own heart. Like, yeah, don't for make, sure. Especially when you're a relative stranger, it's like, don't make me tell you your book mm -hmm. isn't good enough for me to endorse. Right. You know, maybe send me a copy and hope for the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, uh, but don't, you know, don't ask, to, you know, don't Absolutely. ask me to go. Yeah. I, you know, there's a. It, you know, it's a it's a it's a goofy anecdote from a movie, but I always think about as creators, we take this stuff very seriously, and mm -hmm. your reputation, you know, your 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 recommendation is like it's your word, yeah. and it's your you know. There's a scene in the movie All That Jazz where the main character, who is a theater director and film director, is trying to bed a young actress, mm -hmm. and she says to him, "Can I ever be a big star?" And I always remember the moment Roy Scheider looks at her, looks over to clock as if to go like, uh, do I have time to find someone else after this girl leaves my apartment angrily? <laughs> after I say what I'm about to say, and he looks back and he goes, no. And he's like, look, I, and you know, the subtext of the scene is I would say almost anything to get in your pants, but don't make me betray my, <laughs> my one. I won't betray Twitter for you. Like, I'll, I'll tell you any other lie, but if you awesome. ask me to look you in the eyes and say, you are a great actress, you are asking me to encourage you down a path of self-destruction. Yeah. And I will not do it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, you know, so I, I think if your word isn't your bond, 
Yeah. People start looking at you a little sideways. If if you recommend a comic to them and they go, this wasn't actually that good, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really damages your reputation. Yeah. There, there's, um, I, I started writing these martial arts books for Immortal Studios a few years back. And um, because of that, I mean, I was, you know, I was, I, I, I was involved in martial arts my, my whole life growing up, but um, it really re- reignited this, you know, this love for me. And so, uh, you know, short and sweet, I'm I'm working on a, a pair of black belts right now, um, and uh, and you know uh, in Kempo, which is you know my primary art right now, the the first three degrees of black belt uh, there is curriculum, after it, but but there are eight degrees of black belt. Uh, after three, there is no more curriculum. It is literally about being of service. It's what are you doing uh, for the Kempo community? What are you doing for the community what are you doing for to 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 further the sport of karate the message of karate the philosophy of karate all of those things um and so 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 yeah those 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 advanced degrees of black are really all about being of service and so yeah. i mean i think the way i look at you know i think the way i look about the uh, look at the show if, if if we've invited someone to come on the show they have their black belts already right um uh uh you know but but then it becomes you know really like like you know what are they doing for the community you know what what, what are the service so 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 i try to i try to surround myself with the people who are working on those advanced degrees of, of mm-hmm. black you know sure. it, it, you know if i could make kind of a, a hackneyed analogy there but um uh but but i i i think that's the that's the case i want to i want to be around the people who are working on those things and, and who, are, who are devoted to 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 propping the community up and bringing new people in and ex- and and getting people excited, I, here's the thing: is like I chose to do this for a living, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because I fell in love with it because there was nothing else I could see, you know, myself doing. And and um, and and I think, um, yeah, like your mission of bringing that to new people uh, mm-hmm. is is pretty awesome. It's pretty inspiring, you know. So sign me up. Using yeah. comics for good. What what my favorite? So let's see. My favorite thing to say is there's a comic for everyone and comics are for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and then one of our past presidents for the graphic novel roundtable for ALA, his, his, he actually got his like on our merch now. It's be kind, do good, read comics. Yeah, and that Simon. pretty much encompasses everything, right? Right there. <laughs> be excellent to each other. Yes. Read comics. Read comics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and and again, that's a, that is a great point about, you know, I always say that everywhere but the United States, comics are for everyone, and they're taken seriously as a medium. Mm-hmm. And here, you still have people who are going to tell you, uh, you still have people who are going to tell you that comics are a genre, not a medium. Oh my okay. god. Yeah, I heard that the other day. I almost started screaming. Yeah, I I, I see that, and I'm like, Persepolis and Avengers Endgame are the same genre, huh? Really? Uh, I I mean, and I hate that Persepolis is such an easy go-to because, you know, Academy Award-winning memoir of an immigrant and all that. But it's like, you know, I I, I try as hard as possible not to lean on Mouse because I think it's too big a cliche. Mm -hmm. But... But even, you know, Will Eisner's contract with God, you know, uh, what does that have in common with the uh, Action Comics number one uh, uh, yeah, written by Jews? That's about it. That's Same the, genre. Yeah, that, <laughs> all, all I can tell you in common is uh, yeah. it was two, 
written by Sons of Krypton. But aside from that, <laughs> uh... well, well, one of those IKEA billies that Moni gets and puts in the library will just it'll have the written by Jews thing on there, and yeah. you know, <laughs> it'll go over well, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's there, literally there nothing wrong with that, right? There is there is a lot of that, but yeah, yeah. it's a you know it's a it is it is a worthy thing to evangelize for, and it's a Man, it's a it's an uphill struggle in these United States. Um, it's also really funny that like the most popular comics in the United States are manga. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> like the ones that are super popular that are read by everyone in the entire country in a different mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. uh, you translate them to English, and uh, I've I've been having a really one of my comics is uh, there's discussions of translating it into manga. Oh, nice. And the conversations that I've been having with the manga writer have been fascinating about the differences, about the mm -hmm. like that what you, what I'm stuck with getting sticking into 20 pages of five panel pages. He's like, I have 400 pages. <laughs> you know, like, yes. I got to fill a phone book with this uh, epic with your, with your 20 pages of material. So it's uh, it's fascinating. And I'm good for uh, you though, pushing into manga because it is so um, obviously, you know, it's it's I mean, just retail numbers. It's it's so emerging. And it's another field where or another area of expertise that librarians like we just got that comics have been something that people have loved all this time. How do we like, you know, traditional comics? How do we capitalize on manga? And how do we collect it? And who's it for? And, you know, there's there's a lot of questions that just every little library nuance even, from like cataloging and all of that. Even yeah. just the, like the publishing model of it mm. is so different than the American licensing. Model. Oh my God. I work, I work, my day job is comics plus for library pass. And we have a lot of manga and the licensing, you know, every time I'm like, Hey, major manga publisher, can we expand our catalog with you? And they're like, you know, the American team is like, we'd love to, but we're still having those conversations overseas. And it's not for lack of sales. It's just a different mentality. It's very yeah. interesting. But yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing where it's, you know, there's no monthly floppy. The publisher puts out a phone book that has like if Marvel was a manga publisher, yeah. there'd be one phone book a month called Marvel comics. <laughs> and it would have 20, 40 pages of Captain America and 60 pages of the X-Men and 50 pages of Fantastic Four and 20 pages of, you know, Deadpool. And that's the that's Marvel Comics for that month. And it's just learning that part and the mm -hmm. fact that it's even sort of how do you f like that when you're trying to sell manga, it's like in Japan, it's what other four stories will fit with your story yeah. mm -hmm. in, the, in the same what publisher is publishing a book that has an opening it, you know, that has a 40 page opening in it next month that your comic can be faithfully adapted. It's really, you know, the, and again, the way comics are read in Italy and France and mm -hmm. Germany, it's just such a different world from here. And the getting America literate like that, the forces lined up against you uh -huh. are so strong. And I feel like there's a moment happening where you just sort of need, you need more people pointing at, you know, I remember when Stumptown was on television, just going, I bet nobody, like, that's a comic book show. Mm -hmm. Like, it's about a detective in the Northwest. It has no, it was a great show. It got canceled, unfortunately. But I was like, there are a lot of shows on television that are comic book shows that don't have superheroes in it. And people don't yeah. know, like, 
Oh, that was actually adapted from a graphic novel, though. That's not, yep. you know, that's not just because there's no punching and no tights. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I've been writing comics eight years. I've never, I still have never written a superhero. Uh, I love I've, that. I've written, <laughs> I've written pulp. I've written the proto superheroes. I've written pulp adventure characters from the third. Sure. I've written the Shadow and Doc Savage, but those are still men. <laughs> you know, like they don't, they haven't taken that step towards you know, the, the, the next step, which was the superheroes, but it's, mm. it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me that we've got this brainwashed populace. Um, mm. And I actually think that, you know, to give circle all the way back around on Alan Moore, one of the things that I thought was the most interesting about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was his idea that actually the pre superhero public domain characters, you can form a pretty good superhero team with them. Mm that Mr. Hyde is the Hulk, that Alan Quatermain is Hawkeye, really. You know, that you, that you, the Avengers are all there in, so, in a very different form. Uh, but, you know, Tony Stark is Captain Nemo. You've got the, 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 the anarchist that invents war machines, you know, like there's a lot of interesting, you know, the, the, the proto versions. When I was writing, uh, when I was writing Zorro briefly, I've written Zorro and the Shadow. I used it as an excuse to talk about how all of this came before Batman. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes yeah. Scarlet Pimpernel, Zorro, the Shadow, Batman. That's four fops who secretly fight crime in a weird costume <laughs> in a row. But, you know, like uh, faithfully. And, you know, I don't even point and go, well, that's a ripoff. It's like, no, it's. There are echoes in pop culture, and those they're echoes inspired by. Yeah, and I, well, and I think even like when, as an example, when I think it was Julia Schwartz gave Superman the Fortress of Solitude, Doc Savage had a Fortress of Solitude in the 1930s. He's not ripping off Doc Savage. Doc Savage has been out of print for 20 years, and he is tipping a hat to that which came first. You know, I don't, if someone, had, if a lawyer had sent to him, can you call it like the palace of aloneness or something? Do you really have to freaking call it the fortress of solitude, man? That's a little <laughs> nail on the head. But that, you know, and librarians, that's another, you know, uh, I, I think the great thing that librarians can and do, uh, do is you come to them with, I love this thing. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, you know, if you love Batman, uh, here's the Curse of Capistrano from 1919 by McCullough mm -hmm. uh, that introduces Zorro. Do you want to write? Do you want to read Batman fighting the Spanish Empire in 1805? That's like that's some fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's uh, that's always been, and I think again, not to go off too far on that rant, but it's one of the greatest things you can do for another human being is open that door to them. Absolutely. My my favorite comics probably of all time are Jack Kirby's time at DC, not even the stuff he did with Stan at Marvel. And the reason I know about that stuff is I was an obnoxious teenager who loved Star Wars. And I had a five or six year older friend who was like, you should read Jack Kirby's New Gods because that's Star Wars from five years ago uh, by Jack. And they're still like my favorite comics ever. And I needed the older friend. He wasn't a librarian, but he was functioning as one mm. to go like, let me open this door to this giant world 
for you. And there's, you know, it's, it's hard to argue that there's a, that there's a thing you can do for another human being aside from feeding, feeding them, clothing them or buying them medicine, but it's medicine for the mind. It's clothing for the mind. Yeah. It's food for the mind. Uh, it's shelter for the mind yeah. uh, to provide people with story. Yeah. yeah. The, the, giving them something that you love and, and, mm -hmm. you know, they may love it for the same reason they may not. I have bought, uh, uh, the first trade paperback of 100 bullets about 12 times. <laughs> yeah, because there would there would be somebody sitting in my front room and they and they'd be looking at my bookshelf and they'd be like, you know, oh, you know, uh, oh, you got a lot of comic books here. What do you recommend? And I would pull that off the shelf and I would hand it to him. And I'd be like, take that home. Oh, do I need to bring it back? No, don't worry about it. I'm ordering, <laughs> yeah, are, I'm, I'm ordering another one right now. There um, are a handful. There yeah. are a handful of books. Less so with comics, though. I've definitely done it with comics. Yeah. But when I used to teach, uh, I would I would make my life easier when I was a professional film editor by teaching people film editing, and then mm -hmm. they'd be my assistant for a month while I nice. taught them. And I have bought Walter Murch's in the blink of an eye, probably ten times because mm -hmm. every time I had a new assistant, I would be like, "Oh, take home my copy of this," and no, just keep it. I'll get another one. And for writing, when I was teaching screenwriting one on one with people. Um, Adventures in the Screen Trade by uh, Goldman. It's like, yes. nope, here you go. And again, it's a thing where, like, I love old used bookstores, <clears throat> particularly. I, I, you know, I have not been quite rich enough to do this full price at books at regular bookstores, but there are books that I love so much. Uh, Philip Kiddick's Vallis and Camus' The Fall and Maltese Falcon and Red Harvest, a handful of things like that. That like if I see a copy for a quarter at a used bookstore or a dollar or five dollars, I buy it. And just like at some point, I'm gonna meet someone who tells me they've never read Dashiell Hammett's Red Harvest, and I'm gonna need to give them this book. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be able to trust them to go get it. Uh, they need it. They need it now. And so, uh, so you know, having multiple copies of the of the books you love, just so that you're sitting around your living room talking to someone about these things, and you're like. Here, take home this copy of uh, yeah. Wall, and I don't, you know, I don't need it back. It's yours now. Mine, as the weird mom in the suburbs who likes comics, uh, so outside of the library, is March, Volume 1, because, like, it's reading level. I can give it to a teen. It's it's appropriate still. Uh, you can't really argue that you know, there's humor in it. Obviously, there's a lot of heart in it. You can't you can't really argue the merit of March. And I can't believe that that book turned is turning ten next month. It's yeah. ten years old. Uh, but that's the one that I that I use to be like, no, comics aren't just superheroes, but also they kind of are superheroes. But this is a real superhero you can read about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, I met. I always think it's funny that I've been involved in democratic politics my entire life. And I met John Lewis at San Diego Comic-Con because he had written a comic because we were both working with IDW at the time. Yeah. And I was just like, I didn't meet you at, you know, didn't, didn't meet you in Washington DC when my mother and I were lobbying, but I'm meeting you now at San Diego and we can, <laughs> we, we can talk about that. And again, the genius of that is that is a great way to teach that history mm -hmm. uh, to Kay's, they called us the enemy. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been, go. I've got a massive uh, ambitious project that I'm trying to figure out how many pages and who should I work with and who should draw it and how the hell am I going to finance it? But I think um, the history of uh, Ulysses Grant is mm. a incredibly fertile ground for a, uh, for a graphic novel yes. because it 
he is weirdly untaught as a uh, as a historical figure and an and an incredibly uh, he's a great stand-in for the for want of a better word for the white liberal in America because he changes mm -hmm. because he starts out the Civil War not really giving a shit about slavery and by the time it's over he's he's more committed to it than Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Lincoln evangelizes him to such a degree that he's becomes more committed to the freedom of black people, to the black people having the right to vote, to them serving in uniform than even Lincoln was to the point where Frederick Douglass calls him the most like important white American of the 19th century, elevating him above Lincoln. He, I think he gave a eulogy at uh, Grant's funeral. And the fact that what most people know about that guy is he was drunk and he got a lot of people killed. <laughs> Both of which are not even remotely true. Like if you, it's and it's a great story about class in America, mm -hmm. because all of the cliches about Grant are because he was lower middle class, and all of the lies you hear about Lee are because he was a rich kid. <laughs> so he gets all of the passes of for gallantry, like horrible slave owner. Everyone talks about how gallant he was. The guy who couldn't, <laughs> the guy, the guy who saved the country and couldn't keep his uniform clean is a drunk, you know, is a drunk and a loser. The guy who couldn't afford a tailor, you know, gets written off. So anyway, all of those, there are so many issues about that that mm -hmm. you could reach a wider audience with. Uh, I mean, it's not the audience, unfortunately, the, the wide audience that you get with television and movies, mm -hmm. but it's also sometimes how you convince somebody that a television show or a movie should be made. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I am sure that when the next time someone considers making a movie about the life of John Lewis, it'll be an adaptation of March. It you know it won't be it won't be some original thing. Like someone will just simply save themselves some time and buy the rights to March and do that as an adaptation. But oh, that would uh, be amazing if they did yeah. it well. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, it's you know it is a it is such a plastic medium. I mean, I, I said this on the episode we recorded just yesterday, but I am happy to pass it along to you too. I love telling people it's the oldest art form in human uh, civilization. Yes, you know, actually, I just did a lecture to that effect. Oh, did you? That's great. Um, cave drawings, yeah, trying to explain to college students and educators who maybe don't use comics, like where the origin of comics came from and their place specifically in social justice. Yeah, um, and why book banners are afraid of comics and all. Oh, but yes, absolutely. you were right about it being the original. Well, you know, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I also, you know, it struck me thinking about cave paintings. You know, I always use the example of like the first cartoon was here's Og with spear, here's Og chasing <laughs> mammoth with spear, here's Og stabbing mammoth. Three panels. It's a daily. <laughs> you yeah, know? Like, yeah. It's, it's a daily strip. Ne tomorrow, Og and the antelope. You know, that's uh, right. It's, uh, that's that's my cereal, but uh, but yeah, and and I think McLeod points out in his book, you know, <clears throat> a, a bathroom sign mm -hmm. with a stick figure man or woman on it is a comic. Like yeah. uh, signs in airports are comics. Traffic signs are are a form of comics, and uh, a lot of people don't. They'll say, "Oh, I don't read comics," and then you you press them, and they go, "Well, peanuts every day for the last fifty years." Sure, <laughs> and you're like, "No, you kind of love comics, then. Like, you don't merely like comics. If you know, if you're reading Doonesbury, 
you love comics. In mm-hmm. fact, if you've been following Doomsbury since the Vietnam War. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's, it's a worthy thing. And, you know, uh, we, Rylan and I, of course, are committed to uh, evangelizing for that. And so where, what can people do to help you? What can people do to help creators access or creators assemble? Uh, creators assemble donations are always welcome as with any nonprofit. Uh, you can do that directly through the website. We've made it as easy as we possibly can. Um, but also just, you know, we just expanded our board. Um, and with that, we're still looking for a treasurer. If anybody is okay. really good at, at bookkeeping, because obviously we're a bunch of educators and creative types, we're not the best with the books. And that's kind of important to the government, apparently. Like that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. And then just participating, you know, our, our, anything from our live streams, which will be on all of our social media. We're at creators assemble because we couldn't get that extra LE across the board on Twitter. Uh, we don't yet have a blue sky, but we are definitely on Instagram since we promote a lot of, um, artists and illustrators there attending any of our panels, uh, San Diego, and uh, WonderCon are the two that we primarily do. Although uh, I have done a couple of New York Comic Cons a couple of years in a row. Um, so yeah, attending our panels, supporting our live streams. Uh, usually those are over on Twitch. And then we also have a YouTube channel that is way underutilized for some of mm. the cool resources that we have there. So if you guys want to get eyeballs, we do have the YouTube uh, slash creators assemble. And it has a lot of things from like, how to network the things that we're talking tips and tricks uh i we had um joseph illage and gamal hennessy on oh, talking nice. about yeah those guys talking yeah. about the business of comics friends of the pod um, yeah yeah well, i mean i will i will make you this offer on air i i i, I doubt ryland will uh counteract me but I'll send you this video file if you want to put it on your YouTube channel. Like, yes. Or, you, or, or you don't even, you, I think on, on YouTube, you can just add it to a playlist on your page and, you know, from our, from our broadcast. That'd be excellent. Thank um, you. So yeah. You and, and, yeah. And for those listening, check the show notes. Cause we'll have links to all this stuff there. Yeah. And, awesome. And, uh, Absolutely. And all then right. just talk about comics to everybody all the time, because Band, band books is a big thing across the board, and it's a big threat to all areas of comics in how, particular. How, how, how in God's name are, are, are we still trying to ban books? Not we, but we as a society. <sighs> the idea that the idea that if someone disagrees with you, yeah. just, 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 just uh, like a dissenting opinion mm-hmm. existing uh, uh, is such a threat to your security that, that, that we need to ban these books. It's, yeah. uh, you know, this, th- this country was, was made, it was founded on debate, right. Uh, on uh, us getting together in public and hashing these things out. Sure. So, so, you know, there are books out there that I don't agree with, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That, that, you know, uh, uh, but you know, <laughs> but, but they have a right to exist. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I support your right to exist, Donald Trump's uh, 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 The Art of the Deal. Um, yeah, I, I will never <laughs> read it. I will never purchase I, it. However, there, yep. there, there, is a, there, is a, there is a thing that I will admit to doing, a little form of consumer sabotage. If I go into a Target or, you know, any place <laughs> with a bookshelf, if I see, like, you know, the Bill, Riley, Bill O'Reilly mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. or the Trump book, I pick up 
say, a Michelle Obama autobiography. I walk around paging through the first few pages, pretending mm-hmm. to look at it, and then I place it back on the shelf on top of the Donald Trump <laughs> or Bill O'Reilly book, you know, absentmindedly, just as a like, oh, let me just put this back on the shelf in front of the uh, the, the book that uh, whoever wrote. Um, just, I, I uh, want to applaud that, but unfortunately that's one of the tactics that the book, oh, the would-be book banners are using in the libraries true. to like disappear you know, queer stories and comics they don't like and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So, but yeah, no, it's, it, it, when, and that's the thing. That's the, that fight is endless. There's a, yeah. I have an, I have an yeah. overall theory about that kind of conservatism that I call the weak hand theory. And it's where the idea of banning books comes in. Yeah. No book is going to make your kid gay. <laughs> nope. It's not going to happen. No mm-hmm. book is get, like, and in fact, what you're going to end up with is a greater curiosity about the thing that you've been told you, mm-hmm. you can't absolutely you can't do. There's a reason why the probably the number one background of strippers in this country is, <laughs> you know, pastor's daughter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that, is, that is like that is an origin story I have heard for you know uh, for many many years, and it's always tickles me a little bit. It's like you tried to yeah. talk someone out of this, and they went, "That all sounds fantastic." Actually, all of that that you think I shouldn't do. And uh, and again, it's that idea that simply knowing that something is a possibility is dangerous. Mm-hmm. No one ever yeah. goes, you know what? Knowing that it's possible to be a Nazi is going to turn my liberal kid into a Nazi. That never that never seems no. to be anyone's concern. No. You know, it's like, but yeah, it's, if you have yeah. a maladjusted kid and they read Mein Kampf. It could it could make for a bad couple of months for you. Yeah. But uh, yeah. You know. But it's a, yeah. But this book banning nonsense it is such a catastrophe. I mean, when when we evangelize for Kickstarter a lot of the time because mm. you can go on Kickstarter and find anything. You know, mm. it was it was the problem with with the comics industry for a very long time, uh, uh, and it was like this in the general book industry, and it was like this in libraries for a long time, where a huge portion of the population, if you were if you were black, if you were gay, if you mm. were a woman for a long time. Uh, you walked into a bookstore, you walked into a comic shop, you did not see yourself, right? Uh, and, and and we have fought tooth and nail to get to this place where Absolutely. you can go on Kickstarter right now and no matter who you are, no matter who you want to be, you you will you will see yourself in books on Kickstarter. You will find five, six, 10, 20 things that were made for you, right? Uh, and, and if you want to tell your story, um, you no longer have to wait for the five, usually like 50 year old male gatekeepers to give yeah. you permission to make your story. You can make your story and no matter what, you will find an audience, right? You yeah. will, uh, uh, on Kickstarter, you will go there and you know, whatever, even if it's a hundred people, like you, you can get the, the funds you need to make your story and put it out. But the beauty of Kickstarter is it's usually 300 people. It's 1500 people. It's whatever. And now there are people like you who will take it and put it in a library, uh, and, and so a kid who is just figuring out who, who, who he or she, or they are, uh, they can wander into a library and they can find themselves in that library. Right. Um, uh, and that's a fucking miracle. Uh, yeah. um, excuse my French, but no. that, is a, that is a fucking miracle and it is incredible and it is awesome. And we need to, to protect that at all costs. And, yeah. and, 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 and these assholes who are trying to rip these books out of libraries, mm-hmm. who are trying to literally set them on fire like Nazis, uh, can, can go eat a big bag of, uh, a shit as far as I'm uh-huh. concerned. Yeah, no. And it's, uh, and the, the thing is like this, there, there's no complacency 
obviously, but they always lose. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, are, there are dark ages. I was going to say, right now the cost is librarians and teachers getting fired, going to jail. Oh, like, yeah, that's the... Yeah. And, and librarians and teachers... called a groomer, the, like, it's been... Yeah. No, um, actually, can I hold this up? I literally... Sure, it was just because my daughter uh, brought in the mail uh, right before we started, but I am a contributor to this book, and it is mostly uh, by librarians, for librarians, but if anyone wanted a perspective on kind of like what is going on on the day-to-day -day battleground of book bans, uh, I did contribute to this one. I know they have it available on Amazon. The price is a little bit steep. I don't control that because it's like an academic yeah. library book. But well, yeah, yeah. give them the the give them the name and the uh, sure. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. for the listeners, yeah. the fight against yeah. book bans: perspectives from the field, and it's a Bloomsbury uh, title, and it has a ton of talented folks who have all experienced the banning and have you know best practices and advice and uh horror stories yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and here's the thing david is right they always lose but moni is right they always lose because like because intelligent soulful people like us rise up and we fight back right, right. like like the the the, the you know, we would have Nazis in, in, in New York City right now if if people did not stand up and fight back. And that's literally what's happening is yeah. that is that the new Nazis uh, are, are coming into our libraries and trying to rip these books out, uh, trying to to keep these books from existing. And, mm -hmm. and, and 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 we need to stand on that hill and make sure that this doesn't happen. And so, yeah, no, um, and it's, look, the reason they gerrymand and they gerrymander and they cheat and they lie and they try to steal elections is they know they're losing. They know they're unpopular. You know, Absolutely. The, the image of the, you know, it's funny that they choose the element elephant, but really it's the mammoth mm -hmm. and it's the mammoth trapped in the tar in La Brea is, and there's going to be a lot of screaming and thrashing around <laughs> before they turn into the fossil that they deserve to be. Sure. Uh, and sadly, hopefully we are all on the shore with our pointy, pointy sticks. Yes. <laughs> Lower, lower in the tar, yes. uh, you know, like good old Og back in the first comic book. We are here to slay the mammoth, and that's yeah. the uh, brought that, that back around. That is, I, I'm you know, writing. I, you you know, should, you, yeah, you should try writing something. I'm, 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 uh, any, anyone who reads me knows I really like circular structure, I really like planning the thing in the first scene and bringing it back in the last scene. So, we're, we are back to faithful Og the most creative <laughs> caveman name ever, by the way. Um, but Og um, t-shirts coming next week. <laughs> yeah. Slay the mammoth with Og. That'll be my next, that'll be my panel in 2024. I love that. How slaying the mammoth with me and Og. Uh, I'll just have to find a good cosplayer to be Og. But uh, we should, we should wrap up. We've taken up a bunch of your time, but uh, as of right now, we are seeing you in San Diego and looking forward Yay! to that. That's going to be great. And for those of you who can attend San Diego, fantastic. Uh, I'm sure some materials from that, from the con will be online and will be findable. And, you know, please support uh, Creators Assemble as much as you can, uh, listeners and watchers. And thank you so much, Moni, for being on the show. Thank you, uh, guys. Thanks for I talking will... to me in my plain white space that needs to be developed. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will save my next Blue Sky invite code for you. Ryland got my last one. Actually. Oh, okay. But I yeah. will, I will, I will pledge here and now, a week from now, or a week and a half. I can't remember when I get my next code. I will, uh, I will email it to you, and you can uh, creators 
Creators Assemble can get on Blue Sky because it's a That'd very be I think excellent. It's, it's a really there's a really great comics community on there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, because I, I got one from another librarian, but yeah, I definitely, I, I like, I like where that's going. We'll see. I hope it stays that way, but yeah, not to, to give too off on topic while we're wrapping up, but a friend of mine observed that like, well, it doesn't have the audience reach of, you know, threads already has a hundred. It was Charlie Stigney, wasn't it? Was it? Charlie. That's right. It was Charlie. <laughs> and, and right. It was on one of your threads. And I said, yeah. well, but. It's okay if there's a place where it's just the community talking to itself too. Mm -hmm. Like that's okay. Yes, we mm -hmm. definitely need promotional spaces. Sure, and I will probably end up on Threads for that reason. Um, you know, I remember someone telling me I shouldn't join Spoutable because the uh, the the founder of it was a thin-skinned e egomaniac, and I said, mm -hmm. "You realize you're texting me this from your Twitter account?" You know? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was like. When you find me the social media site not run by a thin skin, I will yeah. run towards it. But yeah. that is not an option. No. That's like, you know, you're working for the movie studio run by the horrible millionaire. <laughs> the horrible Wait, billionaire. Huh. What movie studio do you suggest I go yeah. work for? Not run by horrible billionaires? Because I'm I'm sign me up, baby. I want to yeah. work for those people. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I do love all the people that left Facebook. They closed their Facebook accounts for, you know, uh, uh, you know, for, for, for uh, you know, reasons. Of, yeah, 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 and and they all have Instagram. Yeah, they're on Instagram and Twitter, which is worse. Twitter is the biggest cesspool out there. Yeah, it's a mess. No, I mean, I, I gotta say, I partially stay on Twitter because I love. That is the place where I will still uh, respond to rage farming and slap some troll around. Uh, I don't, yeah. I'm trying like on blue sky, like the minute I see someone I don't like, or they say something even remotely offensive to me, it's like blocked. Don't even, mm -hmm. don't, have okay. to, don't have to engage with it, gone. But on Twitter, I'm still like, you're playing, paying a billionaire $8 a month so that I can make you look stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have made a fan. You made a series That's of fans. That's why I want to lose. <laughs> Fantastic series. I'm for free. I am allowed to dunk on you, and you are paying Elon Musk so that I can dunk on you in front of all your friends. Uh, that is, I mean, all 12 of your friends, but still. Um, thank you once again. Uh, Ryland, what, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. For those listening, that is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. Uh, I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. Uh, uh, distant uh, relative of Ulysses S. Grant, coincidentally. Uh, oh, nice. We go back to the, uh, We go back to the same Scottish clan, the same Scottish town. So, nice. uh, so, so representing um, all in on that. Uh, but yeah, catch me at uh, SDCC. Um, you know, check, check out my social media there. A lot going on. Signings at the Immortal Studios booth. Uh, plenty of panels. Um, and I will finally be able to talk about some of the stuff I'm working on there. Uh, if you missed the uh, recent Kickstarter for the Jump uh, issue three, uh, you can go to my backer kit site. It is the jump3.backerkit.com. That is kind of a cool one-stop Ryland Grant shop right now. Everything Jump, everything Peacekeepers, uh, Aberrant, Banjack, Suicide Jockeys. Uh, we celebrate my entire catalog over there, so you can get signed copies of everything, rare con variants, all that stuff, so go check it out. Nice. What do you got, Avaloni? Bring us home. Uh, I'm easily Googled. My website is davidavalonefreelance.com. I'm on this, all of the socials uh, uncreatively as myself. 
uh, with my name and my picture. No cartoons, no avatar, no fake avatars. Uh, so please find me there, and uh, I'll be at San Diego. I will be reporting live from uh, San Diego all weekend. Follow follow the, the info on the socials, and uh, I will drag my hungover ass back to Los Angeles uh, the following week and uh, tell you all how it went. Uh, hopefully, we will all survive. Wake Thank me you. up when it's all over. Yes. Yeah, right. Thank you once again, Moni. Uh, we will see you all on the next exciting episode of The Writer's Block. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.